America America You are so grand and golden Oh, I wish I was deep in America tonight Hey there, America. Katie Wilson here, and we're back with another special interview for our cannabis season. Today, we're going to be hearing from one of the most enthusiastic pro-pot voices we spoke to. As we often discover here at the multiverse, people do contain multitudes, and often the most unsuspecting person can really trip your wires. See, when I was first introduced to our guest today, there was no way I believed that she'd be the kind of pro-pot champion she in fact is. She's a venture capitalist by the name of Jean Sullivan, who's been around the block a few times. And though she's, in her words, devoted her life to freeing this plant, she wasn't always a big fan of marijuana. Her professional background is in tech and investment, and she's helped many women find the funding and support they need to get ahead. Although she took a bit of a detour and now travels the world speaking and even lobbying on behalf of legalizing cannabis— She's still a fixture in the world of venture capital. We caught up in New York City, and, well, I guess I'll let Jean take it from here. So in 2014, now five and a half years ago, I rolled off my fun to start what I called the Sullivan Golf, Travel, and Speaking Tour. Just love sharing my story with entrepreneurs, especially women entrepreneurs, showing them how to invest, how to build businesses, how to get investors. And to travel, I'm very under-traveled internationally. Well, in 2014, New York passed the Compassionate Care Law, which opened the door for medical marijuana in the state of New York. As you know, each state has its own set of rules and fiefdom. It's completely crazy. So this is what's so amazing. People who know me, and certainly my kids and my husband, cannot believe that I am in the cannabis business. And here's why. I gave my kids hell when they smoked and used in high school. I never really liked it when my husband smoked. And so that's one of the reasons. So I love sharing the stigma was upon me. And that's one of the things I love showing people a different way and showing them that the stigma is really so false and was delivered to us under such false pretenses. So what happened was we became investors in one of the first licenses here in New York. And did you know New York only has 10 licenses? Think about that. New York has 20 million people. Colorado and California have hundreds and hundreds of licenses. So when that happened, and when my husband became part of the team of one of the first licenses here, I said, I better learn this. I start going to some of the great conferences. And then I started really reading and realized, what? We still arrest 700,000 people? Are you kidding me? What? The whole reason for the stigma had nothing to do with the health effects, although that's certainly an issue, but had to do with Dacron and nylon that didn't want to overtake hemp. 
and cotton industry was against this, and big pharma thought, oh, no, wait a minute. So I really realized the stigma came about for really ill-fated reasons, and it still exists very much. Uh, and so what I have come to learn then was the uh, not only the social justice issues, which are very strong, but within five seconds, I saw the economic upside. I saw that this could be bring wealth to people. I saw this could bring wellness to people. I started to learn the science behind the cannabinoids in the plant and how those affect our body and how our body is filled with a number of receptors that receive these various cannabinoids in different ways, how the research has been prohibited, how it is, and this is so shocking, it's a Schedule One drug along with LSD and heroin. This is craziness. Even cocaine is a Schedule Two drug. Wow. Okay, so this to me sounds like as someone who lives in a very fact, you appreciate facts, you're, you're a tech science lover. Um, so you did some research, you realized that you've been sort of sold this bill of goods that upon your own meanderings, you realized was not true. And now you're taking steps to make sure that other people start to realize the same thing you did. Is that, is this kind of your mission here? Is it to spread the facts? Is it to, I mean, what is, what is the purpose here? Why are you so, so invested? So the mission is certainly to spread the facts because I'm so appalled by the stigma. I learned then that the war on drugs is a war on people, a cheap excuse to arrest people, especially young black and brown men and boys. I was shocked to learn those facts. I learned that it's a war on research, that we as a country haven't even been allowed to do the critical research to figure out the health issues. Right, because it's illegal. Yes, and so I that drove me. But then, because I've been a very long investor, I saw the economic upside. So here's what happened. That's so fun for me. I started going to the great big conferences. The CEO of a company called ArcView found me. He said, Gene, I need you. I need classically trained investors. And he, even though he's a young man in his young 40s, has been in the cannabis business for more than 20 years. Now, why is that? Because he also was appalled that people were getting arrested just for possession of the plant. It's completely crazy. It is. And he saw before most that drawing people together was a good idea and that they would want to talk about uh, opportunities and investments, technology and science companies and get them started. So he started this company called ArcView, the ArcView Group, more than nine years ago. And now it's a very vibrant group of which I'm part of and doing a number of things. So I am helping to build a number of investment platforms, angel groups, a classic fund, and other uh, vehicles called special purpose vehicles that allow our membership organization to invest at whatever is right for them on, let's say, investment size. Let's say they want to be involved. Great. They can be involved to help decide what we're going to invest in or classically let us as professionals do your job, do our job, source the companies, help guide the companies, be on the boards and help scale them to an exit. 
And you see a huge market here. Huge market. And so what was it like coming from the world of tech and finance and into a cannabis tribe? Here's what's so amazing and so much fun for me. I'm able to leverage that 25 plus years of the tech industry. And here's why. Guess what? It's a proxy for what's happening in cannabis. Early stage uh, entrepreneurs who may or may not even know what they're doing, which by the way, I admire greatly and still do it. Investors throwing money, just like in the early days of tech, a boom bust, high valuations that are out of sight. It's completely crazy and chaotic and unformed business models, pricing models that aren't figured out, distribution topologies that are yet to be discovered and built. So there's a lot of similarities. Okay. So that sounds really exciting. And you were sort of tapped by a younger person who was already involved. Was he already involved with investment or was he just involved in the cannabis industry? No, both. He had formed uh, ArcView, which actually was formed to bring investors together in a series of, of events. This has evolved to now doing several major multi-day events. In fact, our very next one is in New York in, in uh, this year. And it's just thrilling. We come together because we're joined by this common mission of both fighting for social justice and to right the wrongs, as well as to make money, create opportunity, help build companies. Okay. Well, something that the, the finance and sort of the booming industry sort of sub-tribe here gets a lot of heat for is the fact that there's so much inequality in the way that these companies and corporations are being formed and the way that consolidations are already going down. And we see Philip Morris at the table and there's a lot of red flags and a lot of continued inequity around an already um, very hot and you know, much in need of a fixing situation where we see black and brown people who have been unjustly imprisoned for years and years for selling the same thing that a bunch of, you know, venture capitalists are making money off of now. And so in your approach, are you, are, are there things that you're doing to make sure that that equity is achieved? You are so right. It is one of the big issues. Do you know that even this year there's been almost 300 M&A transactions. That's just this year. <clears throat> and last year, more than 200. More than $9.6 billion has been invested again just this year. So you're right to be aware of and bring up the corporatization of the cannabis industry. Do we want that? Well, there's two sides. Now, I'm kind of a contrarian, especially coming from the tech world. When Microsoft and Google and Cisco and the Facebook, some of the great tech companies came along, guess what? Entrepreneurism didn't go away. It thrived because the smart uh, entrepreneurs and business owners knew how to build for the gaps. And so I do fear big layers and, and, uh, sharp elbows that push entrepreneurism away. I don't want that to happen. I fear the FDA coming in with long cycles. I don't want that to happen. But do we need uh, regulation? Yes. Do we need, you know, careful protection 
and safe products? Absolutely. Do we want corporations to come in and buy these wonderful companies that create wellness, create technology that can help create efficiencies? Yes. So there are two sides, but now back to your very important issue of social equity and the social justice issues. It is critical for us to be inclusive, to seek diverse business owners, diversity around entrepreneurship, investors, board members, advisors. We don't want to screw it up like the tech industry has. So those of us who care are doing something about that. That's so great. And so this is something that's built into your investment strategy? Totally. In fact, I have made a commitment to the World Bank, who's looking over this, that I will seek diverse business owners as companies that I would invest in, women and people of color. This is very important to us. Okay. Well, and this is part of your um, your record, so to speak, is really investing and, and mentoring and trying to foster more women at the table. Important. Right. And so... Um, how is that? I, when I was talking to Mira Gonzalez, she told me that actually cannabis is the one industry where there's the, it's the highest amount of women, um, CEOs. And I didn't realize that because all I hear about are, you know, the inequities and how there's not enough women and there's not enough people of color and whatnot. So I haven't fact checked that, but she assured me that it was true and was happy to send along, you know, information validating it. What is that your experience here? And are you, What's your approach? How does that make you? Yes, uh, Katie, there are more and more women as business owners and leaders and entrepreneurs, and some very good companies have some fabulous women as their CEOs. So we are growing, and yes, there are several women, and some of our groups do track that. And yes, it goes up and down a little on the numbers, but those of us, especially a hard group, core group of both men and women are fighting hard to make that happen. For instance, as at Arcview, uh, we really try to make sure the women are up there on the stage too, because it's not just an old boys club. And so that is important. Well, this is interesting because, you know, you can hate on corporations all day and you can say, you know, I just wish that they'd go away and that mom and pop shops could rule the planet and that that was the way it worked. But we live in a system of capitalism. And so until that changes, which I don't see happening very soon, this is how it goes. And so to, to hear that there are investment groups and corporate minded individuals looking to the future who do have this as a top priority it really seems like the only way that we could achieve any sort of balance here. So, Yes, and to add to that conversation, it's become important at the state level, too, as far as accepting of applications or where you are in the line as far as getting a license. And in fact, that's been one of the core issues. I'm sure you're aware, especially being a New Yorker yourself, that New York, as well as New Jersey, did not pass the adult use opportunity, opening the door to everyone so you don't need a medical card to get product. That did not happen in either state. And the reason why were some of these social equity issues. Mm -hmm. People of color, diverse audiences saying, wait a minute, what about us? We can't spend 200000 just to get our license in. Uh, we want to be able to start businesses. We can't go out and raise 10 or $20 million dollars 
because we don't have those kinds of networks, but we do want to play. And so those are some of the issues at work in the, at the state level, trying to make it happen and create opportunity. And are these some of the, the things that you're investing in? Are you investing in, or are there funds? Are you creating funds to help people get their licensing through? Is it? Yes. There are, uh, there's focus on that kind of opportunity as well as what's called the ancillary business. So as you probably are aware, there's the plant touching world and then the ancillary and both are needed. Can you describe that for us? So if you were to look at a chart on the money flows, the money today is flowing like ocean water into the cultivators and licenses for retail and grow and processing. That is where most of the money is flowing. But guess what? Those business owners need the products around them, the marketing platforms. What about the agri-tech platforms? What about the ability to test and those kinds of and delivery, uh, delivery, and, yeah. distribution, yeah. genomics? And so uh, I am more focused on those ancillary businesses, although I am working with looking at and investing in uh, license holders, too. That's really interesting. And so is there um, are there resources out there that you would recommend for, say, you know, I have a friend here in New York who is an incredible baker and she wants to be ready to go when there is adult use and she can start creating product or what, or perhaps even medicinal products. She's trying to get it together. Is there like, are there resources for her to love look at? that question? Because how else do you make it happen? You're not born knowing this stuff. You need advisors and mentors to help you. And because of the great tech boom bust and great liquidity events that have happened. There's plenty of entrepreneurs and executives who are out there who are available to either fund companies or advise or coach. And so, uh, yes, there are those. In fact, we're close to a group called Canopy Boulder, a very interesting group. Uh, you'd enjoy interviewing Patrick Ray, my friend, who runs that business. He's in Boulder, and he has incubated more than a 100 companies over the last five years. And so he takes on these early companies, puts mentors around them, and then helps them scale or get invested. We have a relationship at ArcView with this group. And so many of those CEOs stand on our stage and pitch our investor members. And what's exciting is, as an example, we've been begging him to come to New York. So we're doing a weekend in New York coming up even yet this year. So I tell my entrepreneur friends, hey, you need to be part of this. It's a way to open the door. It's important, I believe, especially for early stage entrepreneurs and business owners to seek these kinds of groups and people that can help guide them. Jean, you're making this sound all just so exciting and so dynamic. And it's interesting to me because after interviewing a bunch of people in this world in the recent months, many people were kind of making it sound like, listen, you know, there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions happening. Yes. Um, but Aside from that, it does seem like there's already this, these kind of like big five or 10 sifting out and that it's, we're kind of over the wild west hump where anyone can kind of, you know, where this excitement is sort of gone by, but you're making it sound like there's still a lot of opportunity out there and still a lot of money flowing and a lot of investment and 
Totally. I'm a big baseball lover. I think it's only top of the second inning. There is plenty of ball game left, believe me. And that's why I like to inspire and encourage people to play. Play as a health professional. I've seen women and men change their career and go get the learning around uh, what you need to know to be a health professional. Okay. So this is one of my big questions is where are the gaps? If you are an entrepreneur and you want to get involved in cannabis right now, where are you needed? Yes. So being in the tech business for most of my professional life, I am astonished at the primitive level of technology that's in these, in these dispensaries, in the grows and the processing. It's all very early stage. There's enormous gaps to be had. Even check-in, if you go into a dispensary or a store, uh, it's, it's like going into a, like, it's like it's hitting the bouncer still, right? Completely <laughs> crazy with great big, guys with guns on them standing there. Now, guess why? Because of the foolishness around no banking or no easy banking. And I have been in many, many dispensaries and cultivator uh, uh, operations. The cash is stacked three feet high and stuffed into some back room safe. It's with the doors open on it. It's completely out of control. Talk about theft, ability for a fraud, for, uh, you know, displacement of those dollars and everything and murders. And so, uh, that's back to the gaps. Uh, certainly, uh, here's how everything's going to change. Uh, thank God that at least this banking problem has been discovered by Congress, the do nothing Congress. I am so appalled at what's going on down there. And because, thank God now, for a Democratic House, at least now some of the laws are getting through the Ways and Means Committee as well as the Appropriations Committee before nothing was allowed to go to the floor to even be discussed. This is terrible. So now at least some action is happening. And a bipartisan bill called the Safe Banking Act is finding its way. In fact, I got to go to lobby days in D.C. both this year and last year. These are shocking to me. To people. <laughs> They must have loved to see you walk oh. up there. Well, because of a wonderful trade association, the National Cannabis Industry Association, NCIA, is very active in lobbying efforts on the Hill. So both this year and last year, I got to go to D.C. What an eye-opener. Oh, my golly. We had more than 300 meetings with staffers both House and Senate. And so we're looking for more than 300 sponsors of the Safe Banking Act. And we believe it will pass. Who doesn't want safe banking? It does have bipartisan support. Uh, Hopefully it will get through the Senate. And now it's doing very well winding its way through. And how do you feel about federal legalization passing? Like, do you see writing on the wall? So, yes, I have a crystal ball. Didn't yours arrive? Because I do know what's going to happen. But let me just tie back to one of your important threads. Once safe banking happens, that means giving protection to federal and state banks. That will absolutely swing open the door for more and more opportunity for business owners and entrepreneurs to build products as, as well as bank 
what they need to bank. Right. Because then you have access to cap more capital right. as well. Yeah. So, so yeah. now to your really critical question, what's ahead? So we're not as smart as Canada. Justin Trudeau is an amazing leader. He saw wealth and wellness for Canada. And as you know, last year in October, they passed adult use. So you can actually ship a product from Vancouver to Nova Scotia. Anyone can order online and have it mailed to them from a variety of, it's called LPs for licensed processors. And each province can decide how it's distributed. So Ontario and the Maritimes actually have the Liquor Control Board Mm -hmm. in charge of making those laws. And I've learned because we've been in Vancouver and Toronto several times over the last couple of years, you don't actually go into a liquor store for this, but you actually have separate stores that they run and manage. And then, you know what the rest of the provinces have? The Shoppers Mart, which is their version of Walgreens. Now, how great is that? Why aren't we smart enough and capable enough to be able to do that? Mm -hmm. So true federal legalization, I'm sorry to tell you, is not going to happen for several years. But something else is going to happen. Something called the States Act is also winding its way. Now, I believe the Safe Banking Act will pass, and yet this year. But States Act, I believe, will pass before the 2020 election. Now, why is that? That's because the people in Congress, who shall not be named, know that this could help them. Let's face it. Do you know it's polling 93% of a physician is involved that people want cannabis products? And it's polling overall more than 63% that the public wants cannabis to be available. And so the States Act will throw the jurisdiction around uh, what's going on with cannabis laws to their own states and give protection to the states. So if if states like uh, Idaho don't want those kinds of laws or products, they don't have to have them. I believe that is going to happen. So that's not really going to create true federal legalization, but it will open the door wide. Now, talk about opportunity. That's why now is the time to invest. Both in public stocks, which have you noticed are way off, as well as the privately held companies that are looking for investors and wanting to build businesses. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's so many private companies out there that we just... We don't have any idea what's going on, but clearly they're doing great things. Well, I know what's going on. Guess why? Because I read everything there is. And if you want to be involved, you need to read what's going out there. There's wonderful business information on companies that's published every day. There's wonderful conferences. Last year, there were more than 160 conferences throughout the world. I go to many of them, certainly not all. That's how I learn, by talking to companies, by talking to other investors, by learning what's being said from the stage, and listening to opportunities like today. Okay, so I have this theory or I've posited this theory before anyway, that this could be the kind of issue that someone like Donald Trump runs on if 
his numbers are bad enough and he needs something to bring him up in the populism, you know, what do you see that happening? Do you think that this is something that's going to become even more political and perhaps might become involved in the 2020 election cycle or is there is no doubt that that's what I believe will happen. Uh, this is a little bit out there, but you don't mind me getting edgy. Please. I believe he will pull it off of schedule one because it is crazy that cannabis is on Schedule 1, and I don't want it to be rescheduled to Schedule 2, but I want it descheduled, so there's no schedule for it. Now, do we need regulations and rules, and do we need to self-govern to ensure safe products? Yes. We don't want a heavy hand from FDA, but I can see why FDA is involved in CBD and in the regulation around these Oh, yeah, products. there's so many terrible products out there. Some really bad products. Do you know that some states don't even mandate testing? <laughs> Isn't that scary? Right, and then no one's really regulating many of these labs anyway. That's correct. Right. Okay, well, in, in an effort to, to move into some of these other, um, we sort of did like hot sectors. I mean, that would have been kind of where some of the gaps are. Correct. Um, and what about winners and losers so, over the last few years? So there's been many, many M&A transactions already. Many of them are in a monopoly board kind of play where the larger, they're called MSOs for multi-state operators. They now own many licenses and they're out there grabbing and gobbling up a lot of the smaller licenses because they want presence in other states. You know, here's kind of a funny example. Would you believe that Oklahoma is a thriving state for cannabis with lots and lots of licenses and people buying product? So there's a state you wouldn't imagine, and people are going there to buy up those kinds of licenses. And this is happening in every state in the U.S. So who's the winner and who's the loser in that scenario? So look, I believe in a win-win. Let's say you're a business owner and you built a license, but maybe you didn't build out fully, but you could sell that license for many millions of dollars to a larger player. Why not? So what do these licenses go for? Plenty is the answer. Millions. Millions and millions. Wow. Indeed. Uh, a lot of these numbers are public. Uh, we're very close to a wonderful MSO called Grassroots, who's in Chicago, a great leader and team. And they just got gobbled up by another MSO called Cureleaf for more than $890 million. Okay. So yes, there is a huge hurdle perhaps to getting a license. You might need a quarter of a million dollars to complete your application and actually receive the license. But the opportunity to sell it for millions and millions of dollars seems like a pretty fair trade-off in the end. Right? Hey, wealth is good. That helps create opportunity for people and wellness and happiness. We want that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then what about internationally? I mean, you, you did talk about Canada. What about everywhere else? Because there's a much bigger world out there than just North America. So I am so thrilled to tell you that I got to go to Israel for the first time. I got to teach the master class on how to invest in What cannabis. is it about Israel? Israel is the center of research. The great scientists for cannabis are in Israel. Dr. Raphael Meshulam figured out what's called the endocannabinoid system, and he did this more than 50 years ago. 
Isn't this amazing? So I was with one of the greats, Steve D'Angelo, who's part of Arcview and a great business owner and owns Harborside, a 10-year-old dispensary in Oakland. So amazing. And he also owns another big grow called Flourish. I was with him when we listened and met Dr. Raphael Meshulam in Israel. And Steve was so upset because here he noted that more than 50 years ago, we've known what CBD and THC could create for wellness, and we haven't been able to leverage that. Even Israel, even though they've done the research, they're doing real clinical studies. They're creating real opportunity for understanding what the various cannabinoids can do as it relates to our bodies and the receptors in our body, that they haven't been able to uh, commercialize a lot of the products that could create wellness. It's happening now, uh, but how exciting to meet him. And then another great scientist at Technion, Dr. Deddy Miri. He has focused on what are these cannabinoids, and he's gone deeply into about only 27 of the 140. So slowly we're able to do that, but no doubt uh, Israel understood well before anybody how the research needs to be done. And and they give away product to sick people. So is it legal? Is adult? Is it? Is it's it medically legal, medically. but not adult use. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what's happening in Europe. Europe has awakened. In fact, uh, sure enough, I was in Scandinavia doing a tech conference. And, uh, of course, Scandinavia is just so aware of what's going on in the world. And the Danes leave it to them to run to Canada more than a few years ago. And so so the Danes and, and all are doing a lot of work in medical. And Europe is adopting, and many of the countries, especially the Netherlands, Italy, and uh, the UK are and are very involved in medical. So we see Europe as more of a medical focus, although some countries are moving to adult use, such as a little company of Luxembourg. So there's an example. But now, and, and Greece is starting to grow. Germany is way out in front of everybody, start, just starting to grow, and today importing from Canada. But now... Oh, wow. So is that, I mean, this was kind of where I was going, like what international trade is, because I mean, it seems realistically like South America would be where this stuff would be growing well. So what? So you're on? right. I'm going to that next, but let me tell you, because Canada was so aggressive on being able to build out these unbelievable and very large cultivators. They also allow export to other countries that do allow medical or adult use. So Canada has been active over the last couple of years in exporting to Europe and now to South America. So because of the beautiful climate in South America, especially countries like Colombia, there's a lot going on there. It's just perfect for growing great cannabis. And that's act happening very actively with both some Canadian growers as well as U.S. business owners who have gotten licenses there and are just really building out some great operations, very worthy of paying attention to. But now let me take you to, uh, to Asia, to China and Southeast Asia. So how thrilling mm -hmm. for me, who's, remember I told you I'm very under-traveled internationally, to not only have gone to Europe and speak about cannabis, to go to Israel 
but then last year we did the first ever cannabis conference in Asia. And where? We went to Hong Kong and had more than 250 business people come to this. We got heavy media coverage. It was thrilling. And then I got to go to Shenzhen as well as to Shanghai. Have you ever been to Shanghai? No, I'm very under-traveled as well. I got to get on the cannabis speaking circuit. Indeed. But <laughs> I must tell you, you must go to Shanghai. It is a jewel. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. It was a little, little a town 40 years ago, and they've done tremendous building. Guess why? They put their money into infrastructure in China, not walls and wars. So the, the streets are beautiful. The railroad is gorgeous. The railroad station is beautiful. The buildings are gorgeous. And so I came back and I said, guess what? China's taking over the world. And people said, Jean, what's the matter with you? China's already taken over the world. It's just the U.S. stood up over the last hundred years and said, here we are. So these trade wars with China, they're just completely crazy. Yes, does China do some things we don't like? Of course, certainly around IP and other things, but they are the ones not only growing. Did you know they grow more hemp than any other country in the world? So in China, as a country, they're very against THC. There's a real prohibition about using THC products. But because of their hemp production, they do believe in CBD in both cosmetics and topicals. They don't allow any ingesting and don't want that yet. And in time, that will happen. But other countries in Southeast Asia... Thailand absolutely has a big medical program and moving to adult use. Laos, um, Vietnam, Cambodia, they're all adopting these products. So it's pretty exciting. So in your mind, are you, um, are you kind of weighing like, you're like, okay, the, it's, it's just the reality that these, that big players with money and infrastructure are going to get involved in this market. Totally. So why not make sure they get involved in the best way? Yeah. Is this, is this kind of where you're coming from? Like, what do you say to Kevin Sabat and to, you know, the people behind Sam and like how, cause when I listen to them and I'm with you, like I'm aligning with you on, on most of these things and I'm pro legalization, I think. I, I always have assumed, but after I talked to him, I was like, you know what? It does scare me that we're going to have some big Philip Morris corporate takeover of the pot industry. Like, I don't like the sounds of that. I do think that it's scary to see this market fall into the hands of people who are going to point towards children with products and who, you know, have failed us in the past. And so based on history, it doesn't go well. That does scare me. And the idea of maybe slowing the train down a little bit and figuring this out before we send it federally legal starts to sound kind of smart. So like, what do you, what, what do you say to him? What do you say to that train of thought? So we are afraid of the great corporatization, but it is inevitable. And like anything, uh, abuse uh, is bad. So we've got to find a way to moderate, you know, uh, to regulate all that. If 
if you go into a dispensary today, you have to prove you're 21. You can go out on the street at any age. So I do want to see some control over that. And it's absolutely been proven in the adult use states that fewer kids are using and smoking. And so we're seeing some real changes around that when it is available and regulated, age, type of product, and that sort of thing. So, yes, we do fear it, but it is inevitable. So as someone, though, that's so well-versed in finance and investment, why is it inevitable that we that we have a corporate takeover? Like, is there, I mean, I know, I, I understand that that seems inevitable. We've seen it happen with our food system, with our medical, you know, with um, pharmaceuticals. We've seen it happen with almost every industry out there. Why? Now, Katie, you know the answer. It's just plain greed. There is so much money in this business. This is the next big thing, and it's here today. And all these companies know that. And people are just waking up, many people as investors or possible business owners, just figuring out how they can play. But it is here to stay. This land is your land. This land is my land From California To the New York Island From the Redwood Forest To the Gulf Stream waters This land was made for you and me As I went walking That ribbon of highway I saw above me that in this skyway I saw below me that golden valley this land was made for you and me this special interview edition of the multiverse was produced by Katie Wilson with editing and sound design by Ian Carlson and mix master by Chris Burns Theme music is America by artist Bill Callahan. This Land is Your Land rendition by Robber and Thief. Playlists for this podcast can be found at www.the-multiverse.com, where you can also find more information about us, collaborating artists, and new episodes of this podcast. And again, thanks for listening. Showing people a different way and showing them that the stigma is really so false and was delivered to us under such false pretenses.